Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. This is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Chris Schobloom, who is our senior economist and research director, as well as Emily Makings, who's coming in by phone, our senior research analyst. And this is our In Focus podcast episode for June the 1st. 2015. Chris, you've got a blog post from the Tax Policy Center. Yes. Tell yes. us about it. Uh, it, was, it was a fun little blog post uh, written by uh, uh, Howard Gleckman. Uh, title was The Perpetual, Immortal, Eternal, Never-Ending Tax Extenders. Uh, and those of you who watched goings-on in, uh, in Washington, D.C. know that at the end of every year, uh, there are a number of uh, temporary tax breaks um, which get extended. Um, and, and these things are, at this point, essentially permanent tax breaks, but they're only written with a one, two, three-year term. Uh, and Glickman makes the point um, that, uh, that this doesn't happen by accident, um, that in fact uh, having these tax breaks, if you will, um, uh, t- being put into law as temporary rather than permanent uh, features serves a number of important interests. Uh, that uh, lobbyists, uh, it, it makes work for lobbyists where it w- because each time one of these has to be extended, there are a lot of clients who end up paying them money in order to, uh, uh, to get those uh, breaks extended. And it, and it serves, ser- more importantly, it serves the politicians' interests because that money that goes to lobbyists ends up, uh, a, a substantial portion of it ends up in campaign contributions uh, of one side or another going to the politicians. So are you telling me, Dr. Showbloom, that that it isn't just good policy to frequently review these uh, tax incentives? Yeah, that's the the thing, that that in fact, to the extent that these things are really uh, going to be extended anyway, then they might as well be made permanent. Uh, It simply um, creates a certain amount of uncertainty and and a fairly large amount of cost um, year after year. Um, There's a nice paper by a law professor um, at the University of uh, Southern California and with a co-author uh, at, uh, at UC, an economist at UC Irvine, uh, with, the, with the delightful uh, title, Showdown at Gucci Gulch, uh, the new logic of collective action kind of goes through this uh, using the estate tax as an example. Um, I will post links to both to the Brookings Post and, uh, and to this, uh, this law review article. Yeah, I guess and, we should explain about Gucci Gulch. Yes, Gucci Gulch is the um, is the is the the, the name uh, given to an area in uh, in the capital where uh, lobbyists hang out, uh, um, and it's also imported around. And I think they, there's a, a place over and down in Olympia that is also called referred to now as Gucci Gulch. Okay. All right. Yeah. So well, well, thank you for that. So, Emily, uh, there is some important news of the day going on as well as the goings-on of Gucci Gulch. Uh, what's happening in Olympia? Well, on thir- last week, the Senate Ways and Means Committee passed a new operating budget for 2015-17, and um, it would increase spending 
um, to a certain extent, according to the summary on net, the it increases spending by two hundred forty-two million dollars over the the budget as passed by the Senate in April. Um, but that's a, a that's exclusive of um, certain other savings that occurred that came up since the the Senate passage, including. $150 million in savings from the federal extension of a higher match for the children's health insurance program. And then there were also some changes, the Senate made some changes to how they would use marijuana revenues. And so on, but if you take those two out, the chip extension and the marijuana stuff out, then they say they would increase policy level spending by $242 million. That's over what the um, original budget again was. The original Senate passed budget, okay. and um, the new proposal would fund the state employee collective bargaining agreements, which was the major sticking point from the earlier proposal. Um, but it would only fund them if the if a bill is passed that would make other changes to collective bargaining, including by opening the negotiations up to the public. Right now, they're done in secret. Uh, the proposal would also provide. $99 million more for higher education to fund the college affordability program at a higher at a higher level. And then also, instead of transferring $200 million from the public works assistance account to the general fund, the proposal would transfer $100 million. So they're making some moves toward the, the House. Okay, so, then, so Emily, let's just go over yeah. those. So they're putting... Uh, at the end of the day, about two hundred and forty more million dollars on the table. They're willing to uh, accept collective bargaining if there's a new element of transparency, and they're adding about a hundred million dollars for uh, disadvantaged students seeking a higher education. Do I have that right? Uh, yes, I'm not sure exactly what form the ninety-nine million takes. I haven't been able to look at that particular part of the proposal in depth, but it would. Um, it would go towards, um, yes, uh, funding the tuition decreases so the universities are kept whole to some extent. Okay. So how about the House? Are they coming the Senate's direction? Yes. they. Uh, Representative Ross Hunter released a proposal today, and it would spend $633 million more than the new Senate proposal but it does spend $400 million, $450 million less than the version that the House passed in April. And then also, and significantly, if our listeners remember, when they passed the House budget in uh, in April, they assumed enactment of about $1.5 billion in new taxes. They've paired about two-thirds of that off and are now only proposing a $550 million capital gains tax. Um, so they've come down significantly as well. Okay, so so the uh, House has moved toward the Senate in that they're willing to spend less money and not have uh, as much of a tax increase. But they're still looking for a tax increase, and they still want to spend significantly more money than the Senate. And again, how much more money do they want to spend than the Senate? About $630 million. Okay. Okay, so what's next? Well, though, the House, uh, well, each proposal will move through each each chamber. And um, I guess the governor has been started calling them in for negotiation sessions. 
today was the first one, and I think I read an article that said that they would be daily. So they'll just have to work through it, and we'll see what happens. Well, I'll be exciting to uh, meet with the governor daily. And uh, <laughs> Okay, well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, interesting. So there is movement. I mean, all along we've talked about the fact that a lot of the budget elements were fairly similar, albeit with some significant differences. Now they're coming a little closer together. We'll have to see what develops next. Right. Uh, my name's Lou Moore. I'm here with Chris Schoblum and Emily Makings. We all are with the Washington Research Council, and we're very happy that you joined us. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.